So my friends, as I mentioned this evening, we celebrate the solemnity of the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ, also more popularly known as the Feast of Corpus Christi, that we believe that the Eucharist is actually the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Savior Jesus Christ. And if we reflect on this, we should start by looking at the context in which we encounter the Eucharist uh, and in what context it should be. Corpus Christi is almost the end of the feasts that have their date in relation to Easter, right? So Corpus Christi is not Father's Day weekend every year. Rather, it's the the second Sunday after Pentecost, right? That's the easiest way to say it. It's the second Sunday after Trinity Sunday. Technically, it's the Thursday after Trinity Sunday, but then we bump it to Sunday, whatever, right? Anyway, it's in relation to Easter. And what happens at Easter? Well, at Easter, we have this trifecta, the the highest feast days of the year, with Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. But those things that we commemorate in those days, that's the high point of our year, and we don't get a lot of time to really reflect upon it, to really allow it to soak in. And so what we need to do is we need to go back to it. And the church allows us to go back to the Eucharist, to kind of re-engage the doctrine of the Eucharist and to appreciate that on that good Thursday night, Jesus gave us the Eucharist. Now, what is the Eucharist? We have to understand what Holy Thursday is. Holy Thursday is a new Passover, right? And that leads the Passover ultimately going through the Red Sea, being set free from slavery that we celebrate at Easter, right? That this is like the Israelites walked through the Red Sea when they escaped Egypt. So we, the Christian people, are set free from slavery to sin by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then what happened to the people in the desert? Well, two weeks ago, we had Pentecost. 50 days after the escape from Egypt, they were given the law by Moses on the mountain, and we, 50 days after the resurrection, are given the Holy Spirit, the new law. Then what happened to the people of Israel as they were on their journey to the promised land? They were fed by God himself. God himself fed the people of Israel for 40 years as they wandered through the desert with the manna that came from heaven. And so we, the church, on our journey, not just to a you know, specific piece of property, but to heaven, we too who have been set free and given the law are fed by God. We are nourished by God himself. The Eucharist is the manna. It sustains us. When we pray in the Our Father, every time we pray the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread, we are praying for the Eucharist. We're praying that, Lord, today, give us the nourishment we need. And not just earthly nourishment, 
but to nourish our souls. Our souls need to be nourished. At some point, 35 years ago, I was a little baby, right? I was about this big. Um, and each of us, at some point in our life, we're like this big, right? How, well, we started as single cells, right? Uh, and then we, we grew from there. How did most of us, who aren't still enjoying childhood, how did most of us turn it from little babies to the size we are today? We were nourished. We were fed. And that's how we grow. Some of us still enjoy a little too much nourishment, and we keep growing, maybe beyond what we should. But we, when we are nourished, we grow. When we're baptized, our life of grace is born. We are reborn in baptism, but we're little babies. So how do we grow in the life of grace? By being nourished, by being fed. And so, every time we receive Holy Communion, we grow in holiness. We grow in our relationship to God. We grow into bigger and better saints. We grow in holiness when we are nourished by God himself on our pilgrim journey. Now, what do we believe about the Eucharist? I just saw statistics. It's very sad how, and we are starting this weekend, a three-year Eucharistic revival in the United States of America. Because unfortunately, most Catholics, sad to say, probably most Catholics in the United States don't understand what we mean when we talk about the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ himself. So, during the Mass, the priest who has been conformed to Christ the priest through the sacrament of holy orders takes normal bread and normal wine. That bread and wine back there, that's normal bread and normal wine. Unleavened bread, but still normal. And in saying the prayers, particularly the words of institution, right? The priest standing in the person of Christ says, this is my body. And taking the chalice of wine says, this is the chalice of my blood. And in that moment, with those words, you can't point to what's on the altar anymore and say that's bread, because it's not. It changes, actually changes, into the body of Christ. And you can't point to what was wine and say that's still wine. No, it's not. That has changed into the blood of Christ. The theological term for this is called transubstantiation. The substance, the what it is, changes. I could point to this thing right here and say, this is an iPhone, right? That's a substance. This is a book. I'm going to drop the iPhone if I lift up the book. But that's, this is a book. This is a pulpit. What is the Eucharist? Bread? No. No, it's not. It looks like bread. Tastes like bread. But we believe as a mystery of faith, that the sacrament that Jesus instituted, that that's not bread anymore, that that's the body of Christ, his actual body and blood, soul and divinity, that that's what we believe about the Eucharist. And that has to be something that we have to share, particularly in our country, the U.S. bishops are saying this next three years 
to really spread the message and be sure at least the Catholics understand that this is what we believe. Now, our belief in the Eucharist will be nourished, it will be strengthened by our Eucharistic piety. It's good that we love our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And so, just like a husband and wife can say they love each other, but never do anything affectionate, right? I can say I love you, but if I never buy you flowers, or if I never compliment you, or if I never do so, hold the door for you even, like, talk is cheap, right? And we need to do stuff. We can say we believe in the Eucharist, but unfortunately, our talk can sometimes be cheap. And so, we need to express that love. A prime way we're going to do it in our city tomorrow is we're going to have a Eucharistic procession. That we're going to process with our Eucharistic Lord, not bread. We're not carrying a piece of bread down Main Street. We're bringing our Lord Jesus into our city. We're bringing our Lord Jesus down Main Street, New Britain, with all the fanfare we can muster in order to attest to our um, love for him. Another thing is when we have Eucharistic adoration, right? That we, we come and we adore our Lord. And we have the, the sacred vessel called the monstrance. That's what we're going to be carrying tomorrow. But every time we have adoration in one of our churches, and we just adore our Lord. The way, again, a husband or wife who love each other will sometimes just stare at each other. Not in a creepy way, right? But in a loving way. Just to, to gaze, to, to marvel at each other. And how beautiful that is. A couple other things is, when we receive our Lord in Holy Communion, well, first of all, if we're aware that there's been tension between us, right? If we've done something to hurt our relationship with Jesus, then before we receive him, we should go to confession. It's actually why every weekend we offer confession before the weekend Masses. We offer it as well every day, right? Every morning and during the school year twice a day, but especially before the weekend Masses. Because if, if Jesus, if there's been, been tension in our relationship, we should reconcile before the intimacy of receiving our Lord in Holy Communion. But then as well, after we receive our Lord in Communion, and at the end of Mass, when we've received our Lord, well, certainly... We should never leave after just, we shouldn't walk out after, right after receiving communion, right? That'd be like me going to someone's house for dinner and like eating the food and while I'm still chewing, like not even waving goodbye, just getting up from the table and leaving, right? What kind of love do I have for my host if I were to do that? But even after, right? You don't just eat and run, rather you stay for a minute and you talk after, after you're done eating, you, you sit and talk for a minute. And so it's a beautiful thing, after Mass ends, even while the music is still playing, after Mass ends, to just kneel down for a moment, just a moment, right? It doesn't have to be long, but just a moment, and just say thank you. What did it cost Jesus to give us the Eucharist? It cost his whole life. He had to die for us to have Mass. You know, if someone takes me out to an expensive restaurant, like I say thank you, Right? Especially if they pick up the bill. If they pay, take me out to an expensive restaurant and expect me to pay, I don't say thank you. I say other things. But if they take me out and they pick up the bill, I say thank you. Well, Jesus, this is expensive because it costs your whole life. 
And so after Mass, just to take a moment, just a moment, and to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Two other quick points. The next is, we believe we reserve our Lord in the tabernacle, right? So that's the tabernacle, which now has this beautiful veil on it because of its grandeur and its, its sacredness. And so when we're in the church, if we're still able to with our knees, we genuflect, right? Before going into our pew or when we cross through the middle, we genuflect. Right knee, all the way to the ground, just to, to pause for a second. This building is different than any other building because God lives here. So to take a moment and to genuflect with reverence. There's a saint who said that he wished that just through seeing the genuflections that people make when they're in church, other people would learn about the Eucharist. Just by there's someone that loves Jesus Christ by the love of their genuflection, by just making that reverence. That, again, it only takes a second, but making that reverence. And then the last thing. Again, Jesus is here present among us. So anytime we drive by a church, well, it's good, first of all, if you can't stop, make the sign of the cross, right? A recognition, Jesus is there. He's actually, God lives there. Make the sign of the cross if you can. If you have a minute, though, sometime during a day, stop and visit. Jesus is here. Jesus himself lives in this building. Stop and visit. Our St. Jerome Church here is open from probably about 6.30 or 7 in the morning until four in the afternoon, Monday to Friday, right? And then St. Francis Church is open from about six in the morning till six in the evening, um, seven days a week. And so, if you're in that area, stop and visit. Unfortunately, we can't leave, you know, St. Joe's, or St. Peter's, St. John, or St. Andrew open right now, or St. Morris. Um, but the ones that we are able to keep open, that we could keep safe, you know, we keep them open. And so if you're in the area, stop and visit. Just stop in, say hi. We don't leave the doors unlocked just because we like it. It's so that we can stop and say hi to Jesus because we love him. Piety. Talk can be cheap. We actually act in a good way. So, Lord, let's, let's ask our Lord for this grace. This is the Eucharist. This Corpus Christi is a chance to reflect more upon it, to enter more deeply into that mystery. We ask our Lord for grace to love his presence in the Eucharist, to be nourished by him on our journey so that he can lead us to eternal life.